0: This week, we are back to our series on the four Ds, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia. Joining us on the program for these episodes is Letty Glenn. She's a special education specialist who owns um, Fresh Thinking Special Education Advisors in Kansas City, Missouri. We're a bunch of unsocialized feral humans. My teachers aren't the best, but they are my parents. So, Letty,
1: how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. I'm excited to be here.
0: Good. We're so glad you're back. (laughs) Um, So let's see. So this one I'm very interested in because I have a 13-year-old who really struggles to write. Like, writing things down on paper is, like, we barely squeeze out two sentences. Mm -hmm. It's capital letters and lowercase letters. It's Big and fat, and he can express himself verbally, and he can do talk to text. We've never had him formally evaluated because you can kind of see what's going on; it's pretty mm-hmm. obvious. Yeah. Um, and you know, and we have we we've been doing the, a lot of the the talk to text kind of stuff. But but let's talk about dysgraphia because um, mm-hmm. this one I have so many questions about personally. Um, can you talk about first of all for our listeners what is dysgraphia?
1: where it affects handwriting skills, and think fine motor. So any of those little tasks that you're doing with your hands, like even holding a pencil, or um, making the letters, drawing it out with your hands, picking things up, um, those are all things that could be under the umbrella of this
0: So what is so those are some of the symptoms, what other mm-hmm. symptoms are there for determining whether let's say when a clinician is looking for an evaluation, what kinds of things will they be looking for?
1: Well, and you said it already, the different handwriting. So for example, my handwriting, I do uppercase, lowercase, part cursive, part print. It's all over the place, different sizes. Sometimes there's a straight line and I'm supposed to know what that that was supposed to mean. So it's difficult to read a child's writing when they have dysgraphia. That's a a big one. But also uh, poor spelling could be, because if you're having a hard time writing out, you're gonna be focusing on the process of writing out, not actually what you're trying to say in your writing. Um, So you might also struggle with the spelling of words as well, or writing the letters in different, frontward-backwards as well. So kind of similar yeah, to so. um, dyslexia in some ways, but this one is more um, talking about the handwriting.
0: Okay, so that's fascinating because yeah, my thirteen-year-old still flips his D's and B's. Mm-hmm. So and he knows he like goes back and he fixes it when he sees it, but he mm-hmm. but it's like it's just it, and and so one of the things that you've said in each one of the like today and the first two episodes that we recorded together is uh, that has really stuck with me is that it's not It's not necessarily just the problem itself. It's also the concentration that it takes in order to do that thing. And then the comprehension suffers. So then it might look like a comprehension problem, or it might look like not listening, or it might look like Struggling to read when or well, maybe it is struggling, but 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 it looks like something different than what it actually is, because it's a secondary problem because of the concentration that it takes. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh. okay, so like what are some of the other things that parents would see? Um, if they're not, if they're, let's say in a T te- in a, in an institutional teaching environment, like in a, in a typical public school, traditional school, you probably would have a teacher notice these things because that's what they're trained for. I would mm-hmm. think, Well, um, but, but in a homeschooling, you yeah, know,
1: and teachers aren't trained specifically on dysgraphia, all, all of those, they're, they're not, especially regular education teachers. They're not even, there might be one lesson on learning disabilities, but it's teachers aren't taught specifically about these. So even a special education teacher, we had maybe one or two lessons on them, and that would be over dyslexia, but really not a lot of learning as far as for teachers in schools on this and other information. So most of the things that I've learned, I've seen in students myself, and I've done different research to try to figure out support
0: for them. How to, how, yeah, it takes a long time for a teacher to notice if there's 25 kids in a classroom. But mm-hmm. if it's the only one you're looking at, right. um, you're going to see it pretty quick. Right. Yeah.
1: And it's a long process if you're in a school to get evaluated. It's a long process. So if you're at home, you can see it right away and start making adjustments
0: uh, right, right when you see it. So let's let's stay on the topic of how to how to find it. How do you know when the child is old enough that they should know the differences in their handwriting? Like, what's developmentally appropriate for a D and a B to be flipped, for example? Like, at what point would I have have gone? Hmm, we should go get an evaluation because this shouldn't these D's shouldn't look like this. Mm-hmm. What would parents? I mean, is there like a website where you can like compare? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean,
1: you can, you can Google exception. Uh, you can Google um, typical handwriting for a third grade or something like that. And it would probably come up. Okay. Um, but uh-huh. I would say probably second or third grade. If it's really still a struggle, you might need to, You might just want to go. Um, Do you evaluation. Out, mm-hmm. Talk to the school. Um, but again, like reading writing isn't something that's really innate within us so it's something that we have to be taught and sometimes it just takes a little longer and you're right some kids pick it up sooner than others so it it is kind of a dance to figure out how long do I wait before I get the testing because I don't want to wait too long and then but you know what for Mm -hmm. parents the thing to also think about is you did it when you could and when you were able to So like for me, it it is, and we don't give ourselves enough grace. So for me, my child, um, when he was uh, in preschool and kindergarten, his behavioral needs impeded his learning and the learning of of students around him. And we know that behavior is communication. He was trying to tell us something that he didn't have words for. And in a typical school, you're going to deal just with the behaviors. And we're not going to get to the root of what's causing the behavior. So that's another good thing about uh, educating your child at home is because you can see and you can really think about why is my child behaving in this way? Is it to avoid the task because it's difficult or they just don't want to do it? Like what? Really think about what's going on with them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine. Like, I know I know that. Like, I've had. I, I don't diagnose ODD. I just as a on principle, I just don't. ODD is oppositional defiant disorder. I just won't diagnose that um, as a clinician. But the reason is because what you just said: uh, behavior is communication. Mm-hmm. So oppositionality is not in and of itself the fundamental disorder. It's the the oppositionality is a communication about something that's going on even deeper. Um and what's what I think could be frustrating is that, you know, let's see a parent, let's say parents are frustrated with oppositionality, that it's a resistance mm-hmm. to a certain type of learning or a certain way of of handling this particular frustration that like dyslexia dyspraxia dysgraphia and they take them to a clinician like me Mm -hmm. who does diagnose ODD and then they end up with that on their medical record and it becomes a behavioral intervention that gets a lot of focus and a lot of negative attention and it results in shame right when they could first take a step to the OT Mm or the speech language pathologist and see if maybe there's something going on there that they need help with.
1: Exactly. So get different opinions from different uh, areas. So not just sticking to one. So maybe it might be an OT thing or it might be a PT or it might be (laughs) speech. So getting the different, uh, just kind of putting more tools in your toolbox, but also, and I'm going to go back to what I've said before, parents seem to get over themselves because behaviors when they are going on doesn't necessarily mean they're about you in any way, shape or form. You're just getting the brunt of the behavior because you are the safe person and you're the person that's standing in front of them. But it doesn't mean that their behaviors are about you. So, and this is a good thing for anyone to think about when they're working with other people that they might say something that, or do something that you're like, well, that was unpredictable and weird. But it wasn't about you. It was about something that's going on internally with them.
0: Yeah. And it makes me think in the parent. And this would be a longer conversation, I think, um, maybe a different day, but that there's also the attachment bond between a parent and a child where, you know, any kind of behavior is a protest for disconnection. Um, negative behavior is is something that is expressing a need. So it's the same thing in the in the emotional relationship between parents and children. there there it is it's not about you and your emotional needs, but it is about you in the sense that you're right. You're the one that's standing in front of them. And for homeschooling parents, that's all day every day. And so then, parents, we have to do something about our own needs. Mm-hmm and maybe we need to ask letty letty what do you think about parents and self care what have you seen with parents and self care with kids that have these kinds of learning disorders
1: mm-hmm. that would be a really good fun conversation because we as as parents especially as people who homeschool i mean you're in it all day, as you said, all day. There's no day. escape. There's no escape. Uh-huh. You can't call in, back up. You can't call for a sub. You can't say, go to the principal's office. You It's, it's you. Nope. You're X, Y, and Z. So the self-care part and needing to take breaths and really learning when you're becoming dysregulated, uh, how you can help teach those skills to your child as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, you can't take a child where you haven't been yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't regulate, help your child regulate it. You can't do it yourself. Right, you have to keep the calm. Um, And
1: Mm -hmm. that's why it's important to. And I say this a lot in my head (laughs) when I was a special education teacher, but now also with my child is something else is going on and I'm the person here that they trust. So I'm the person that they're being extremely vulnerable with I might not like what they're doing, but they're trusting me with this. So what am I going to do with this information from them? So that's when you take a step back and say, okay, what happened before middle and end of this behavior and really start to pinpoint. So I would say, if you're at that point with your child, you call, call somebody, reach out to me, reach out to somebody else, talk to, just talk to your therapist, talk to your, your doctor. um, And, And really because you're going to need support too. And it's okay to need Mm -hmm. support as well. We don't all know everything. Just like we said before about teachers don't know everything about dyslexia, dysgraphia, and all the other ones. Um, So we have to reach out to other professionals who are, you know, know that area. Because we we have to know a little about a lot of things.
0: I think that in there, there's... Thought the thoughts that come to my mind are about perfectionism and being a good mother, and you know you, we don't have to have it all right. And I think homeschooling moms have a tendency to be extremely hard on themselves mm-hmm. because we're respo- because we're responsible for so much. I mean, we've taken on a lot, a lot. And um, one of the things that I think as a goal together, y- you Letty and and any schoolers um, and the volunteers that we're pulling together is to make help parents particularly moms mm-hmm. because just socially that tends to be where it falls majority wise mm-hmm. um in pulling them into not being alone and so reaching out and calling a mom that's in your mom's social pod mm-hmm. or your maybe one of the other kids that has one of, one of these 4ds or ADHD and saying we're having a really shitty day um over here um and being able to to connect with somebody outside of your own head and able to
1: say it out loud to somebody else. You might not want externally, right. You might not want their input on how to fix the problem. You just need to talk about it and vent about it because as a homeschooling parent, it's so, it can be so isolating. And then when you're dealing with difficulties, Oh, my kid's in second grade and not writing yet. You do feel that shame. You can feel that shame because the expectation is so high. But that doesn't mean your kid's not learning. It doesn't mean that you're not doing a good job. It doesn't mean that you can't be proud and share. It just means that, yeah, that's a struggle, but we all got something we're, we're dealing with.
0: There's this book that we read um, as a family recently, and it's called, I can't remember the author's name, but, it, but if you find it, it's called The Magical Yet. And it's all about the the process mentality that I just haven't gotten it yet. Yes. And um, that might be a great resource, and too, for families. What a great lesson so, to uh,
1: learn. What a great lesson to learn from kids is to know that you're not going to get everything right. One of my things that happens a lot and it's become kind of a joke is my science experiments don't always work. That's okay, because you know what? That in itself is a science experiment. Why didn't it work, (laughs) you know? And not only that, but you're going to have, I mean, just in inventions and science and all of this, you're going to have so many failed attempts before you have the one that is actually the one you're getting, think of the light bulb. How many light bulbs failed before it actually gave gave light, right? So it's a good lesson Mm -hmm. to learn of, yeah, it's not gonna be perfect every time. And just because it's not perfect, doesn't mean you didn't learn anything, that you're still taking steps forward.
0: Okay, so let's get back to dyspraxia. dysgraphia, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, dysgraphia, sorry, dysgraphia. <laughs> dysgraphia, sorry. <laughs> dysgraphia. Uh, let's get back to dyspra- mm-hmm. dysgraphia. So I, I had a question bubble up in my mind that I wanted to ask you, because when you were talking about it, mo- it's, it you know, dyspraxia is gross motor, dysgraphia is more fine motor, and I know graph means right, mm-hmm. but, if I have a if I have a writer that's reluctant and does all the things, all the symptoms, I mean it's just clear as as heck, but he can do really detailed Lego work. And he can and he can he can do things with duct tape that are um like really tiny fine lines. I mean, is does that is that mean that he's not dysgraphic because he can do the fine motor stuff? Is it more of like a no, no. no. I, and you're, you're shaking not your necessarily head. necessarily, <laughs> because let's say somebody who, who
1: has trouble with dysgraphia, they just because they can't do that one thing doesn't mean they can't write a story. So our brains, all of our brains are wired differently. And I, I, I always use the spectrum because dyslexia dysgraphia, it's all neurological differences. So just might not be able to use a pencil with a fine point to make a symbol on the page, that's different than coming up with a design with Legos. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. How it,
0: it's it's using yeah. a,
1: a little bit different of your body movement as well as your your brain function
0: because you're not- Yeah, okay, so like he, like Legos are more spatial yeah. and mm-hmm. I guess writing is kind of two-dimensional, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. okay. And and it's going to present a little bit differently in absolutely everybody, right? So just because you, everyone with dysgraphia is not going to show exactly the same deficits and exactly the same amounts, it's all going to look a little bit different, which is an, another perk of homeschooling is because well, maybe you could have him do some of the assessments that you need to do and report on by doing it in a Lego or making something, I love the the duct tape idea or something creative in that way that that can show knowledge as well, not just writing an essay.
0: Does my 13 year old need to um, be able to write a paragraph on a piece of paper these days? Like, Like what's your thoughts about the future?
1: Yeah, in my own opinion of where I think we're going, yeah. So it goes back to also is what am I wanting the child to actually get out of this lesson? Is it truly to improve the handwriting or is it to know how this, I don't know, how to talk about the rainforest or whatever? So you've are got to think about what am I actually looking for? So yeah, there are some benefits to, to having nice, clear handwriting. But in all honesty, we're kind of going away from that. With voice to text, but also like mm-hmm. even I mean, job applications have always been the big one. How are you going to fill out a job application? A lot of those are online now too. We do that all electronic.
0: Right? Yeah. yeah, we do that electronically. And then even
1: mm-hmm. um, with different devices, not only voice to text, but with Grammarly, another uh, add-on you can have on your computer is extremely helpful because it can help with spelling and can help with even wording, like re- redoing sentences and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. So, you know, they are accommodations that can help you show what you actually know. So, yes, we can look at them as crutches, but why not look at them as tools? That this is helping me show my true knowledge and what I know. And why not? We all can't do the same thing. So
0: why why not? Let's use these. Um, OK, no, that's really helpful because I think, you know, parents put a lot of pressure on themselves Mm -hmm. to try to make something happen. But, and I think what I I had the thought while you were saying, you know, break it down. What to, what's your learning objective? Mm -hmm. If it's to learn about rainforests and then who cares about writing the paragraph, Mm -hmm. right? Just have them do it verbally. But I think a lot of times homeschoolers are trying to pull multi-subjects into one lesson and try to accomplish a lot in a short amount of time or in a one condensed lesson but maybe for these kids with um with the 4Ds maybe they need it to be the learning the learning the learning objective needs to be parsed out so that you're really only looking for one or two goals and once you've done that you can move on and not worry about the rest you can leave it
1: yeah or you could do yeah. I like to do one activity but we're touching on everything. We're looking at, so let's say it's a rainforest. We're gonna be looking at maps. We're gonna be looking at how to convert information on the maps. Math. We're gonna be looking at different animals and habitats and biomes, science. We're gonna be talking about a day in the life of an ant, let's say, okay, so we can write a story about the day in the life of an ant. So you can have that one topic, but you can encompass all the subjects in it I mean even art let's draw a picture of a howling monkey or whatever you know so it it doesn't necessarily have to be one thing but your assessment doesn't it can be more broad of what you want them to show what they're learning and when I say assessment I say it because in traditional schools we think of testing tests that's how we know if a child has this information but that's not Always true. That's just saying I want you to tell me the information that I'm expecting you to tell me instead of coming up with your own way of showing it. so it's it's another perk because of being a homeschooling parent because I can really ask the follow-up questions to get the knowledge. So I think I honestly and truly believe that um, with our technology, how it's improving our lives tremendously, that we can use voice to text, and there shouldn't be any no shame in that game. Use it because that's what's truly showing what you know okay. and what you're able to do. Um, you can have him practice handwriting. It's not gonna, you know, it would be it'll hit frustration level, but it's not it's not horrible, right? To have him practice, but on things that you're trying to know what he knows about, let him do
0: voice I mean, it kind of makes me think of the Egyptians, like you know, ancient civilizations use hieroglyphics. Mm -hmm. We're just going back to Mm -hmm. emojis, and but doesn't it doesn't they built the pyramids? So they, you know, it's it were just because you can't put a piece of paper and a letter together doesn't mean you, (laughs) right? Yeah, that's really Mm -hmm. reassuring. Um, Gosh, okay, so um, we're gonna do one more podcast after this one um, on dyscalculia. I think I said that right, <laughs> um, but I think it is, it is a dyscalculia, um, but we're going to, we'll be back and we're going to wrap up for today. Thank you so much, Letty. This has been super, um, it's just, I feel so much more peace about dysgraphia, I'm not worried okay. anymore. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll see you next time. Okay. Bye. This podcast is produced by anyscores.com.